I'm sitting there in the corner at the gas station. I had nowhere to go. So I was up all night on meth. And I said, God, please help me. I mean, I'm just praying to myself and it was crazy. You know, it's a busy little area there. And I just got so silent, so quiet. And here he pulls up. First, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm scared because I had things on me that I can get in trouble with. But instead he said, do you want help? And I said, yeah. That night, Officer Bender saved my life. One man. The roller coaster. One woman. The monorail. Battling the forces of evil. Holding down the fort among the pine trees in the snowy streets, eating ice cream treats with a special guest, Stephen Grafsky. Ascribe and declare. Okay. Matt's a gangster. <laughs> I'm a gangster rapper. Uh, yeah, I'm going to practice my uh, rapping skills on this podcast so that I can eventually become more like Shylin. <laughs> yeah, so if you didn't notice from the intro, we have a co-host today. Mr. Steven Grafsky is in the house. And we're going to run this a little bit more like um, host-co-host situation, just so everyone knows it's not going to be interview style. I probably will ask some questions, of course, because we're curious about his life and why he's on the show today, but we're not necessarily going to grill him. So if you want to grill him and ask him a bunch of personal questions, go ahead and email him. Hey, I'm sure there'll be something in the show notes for you to cut. Maybe you'll give us your cell number. <laughs> I don't know if I should have. Uh, give that out. Okay. It's the age of the internet. Just Google him. Yeah, just yeah. Google him. He's you Surprisingly, know, he's... if you Google my name, there's a lot that comes up, which is kind of weird. Of you? Yeah. Oh, that is weird. That is. It, I don't yeah. suggest Googling Matt's name. We had found yeah. a website attached to his name. Don't go there. <laughs> Not, <good. laughs> Not people are going it's to. It's different now. Is yeah. it different? different now. <laughs> okay. You remember we used to Google Matt Adams? And yeah. you know you when you're... when. When, when you're young or whatever, when the internet was coming out, you Googled your own name. I own that domain name now. Okay. So MattAdams.com. Wasn't it with... T uh, it oh, was maybe. But still, that name was not Super for sale sketchy. forever. And then one day, boom, I just checked and it was open. I was like, hey, MattAdams.com. He owns his name. Dot com. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> yep. Today we're going to talk about addiction. We were starting to think about talking maybe like about drug addiction, but I think it kind of spills over into most addictions. Is that true? Or do you feel like it's a separate issue? Yeah, I mean, with drug addiction, it, it does carry over into other issues, whether it's coffee or uh, <laughs> shopping. Um, that was a direct hit at his wife, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, uh, and it's not just her. You know, I, I'm at Starbucks all the time and uh, yep. I love it. Mm -hmm. But the addiction, drug addiction is really a heart issue at the core. And uh, so it, it does carry over into yeah. how we idolize it. You know, mm -hmm. We end up idolizing so many things in our lives. True. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. So this is Stephen Grafsky. He went through addiction himself. That's why we're having him on here because he is a member at our church Grace Church in Wyoming, Minnesota, and he is on fire for the Lord, and I wanted to get him on here to talk about his past and a little bit about how we could help 
those in our lives, friends, family members, or just people you see on the street, you know, how can we really help these people? It's, it's such a taboo uh, subject. And a lot of times we're sitting in our churches and we're just comfortable in the pews. And we, we don't think about the people out there that are truly struggling and they don't know how to get out. They don't know how to have help. And a lot of times they, even if they know how they don't want to get help, they they're stuck and it's a cycle. And so brought them on. How can we glorify God best? Um, by helping an addiction. And right now, we're just going to have a conversation. We we don't know the answers. Um, there's treatment centers. There's people that start treatment centers with all kinds of philosophies. Uh, we don't have all the answers, but we want to talk about it. We want to give you guys a little bit of passion or interest or something so that you can go out and do some research on your own and, you know, see what happens. So, Stephen... Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, you know, where you were and how far you've come? You know, one of the things about my story um, and, and the light, you know, what brought me into addiction isn't this, like, nothing tragic happened in my life. I think there were certain events that have implications. You know, I, I grew up without a father, and so I think that that had certain implications in my life. But Nothing, you know, a lot of people believe that either um, or their view of people that fall into addiction is someone who had some sort of tragedy, a brokenness. Um, like they're and, using it to cope with that hardship. Right. And so they, they had this tragic event happen in their life. Mm -hmm. And now I need to somehow bury these feelings um, and so I'm going to use heroin or I'm going to, you know, hang out with this crowd and that'll lead back into addiction. Or what we think, or we hear people say self-medicating to yeah. numb that pain or those things. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was, for me, it was, I was in seventh grade when I first had the opportunity to smoke weed and I wasn't, uh, very resistant of that. And part of it was I, I grew up in a family that on the weekends they partied. Um, I watched movies that had partying in it and drinking, smoking weed, those different things. So it wasn't this um, taboo thing in my mind. Just a normal part of life. Yeah. Kind of what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And so when uh, a couple of my friends asked me to smoke weed, I... I said no the first couple of times because of the dare classes that you sit in yes, in school. Yes, I remember those. Yeah. And yep. so you're like, well, if I smoke weed, my life's just going to be a disaster. And then... Um, and you'll be that guy with the trachea thing and he can only talk when he sticks that... <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's right. like seared in my mind from yeah, there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, oh, what was their mascot? Yeah, it was that dare. dog. It was that big dog. Yeah, the dare dog. Yeah, I don't remember you his remember name. That. I don't think Scruffy. Scruffy, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was Sounds Scruffy, like Scruffy the dog or something like that. <laughs> or that was like, yeah. Watch, oh, watch, man. we're all wrong, and <laughs> someone out there. Yeah, someone's gonna correct us <laughs> next week. We're gonna, we're gonna get rebuked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry to interrupt the past to bring you this breaking news update but shortly after we did the podcast 
We googled this because we were all so curious. It turns out it was Scruff McGruff, the crime dog we were remembering, not the dare mascot, which actually turns out to be Darren the Lion. Nobody knew that. But anyway, I thought you guys would care. And anyway, back to the podcast. In reality, my friends, they were smoking weed. Uh, I hung out with some of the older kids in the neighborhood. And they didn't, they seemed all right. They had fun. Nothing bad happened to them. They had really great vision. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, they had a lot of fun while getting high. And so I was like, sure. And smoked weed. Uh, I just fell in love with it. I I loved the high. I loved the, the lifestyle that came with it. So seventh to ninth grade, complete stoner kid. And at the mm-hmm. same time, my mom was making me, who, who didn't go to church, was making me go to youth group. Love and that. <laughs> so, you should do this. Do as I say, <laughs> yeah. not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that's just the mercy of God. So yeah, mm-hmm. it is. by God's grace, I was under a youth pastor who is now our pastor, uh, Dave Van Acker. And he was faithful and sharing the gospel with me, though I didn't have a a good father figure growing up, he was faithful in trying to uh, fill that void as much as he's able to. As much as I loved partying, I enjoyed this youth group, this Christian thing, mm-hmm. but I I enjoyed partying. And so in ninth grade, I went on a youth retreat, and. I must have heard, I'm assuming I heard the gospel um, because it was on that retreat after a night of worship that I just, I broke down over my sins and I didn't get busted. I didn't, there was no reason Hmm. that I would be weeping over um, the lifestyle that I was in. Yeah. It wasn't just from like the guilt of, like you said, of being caught doing it. It was actual guilt over the sin itself, conviction over the sin. Yeah, and I didn't have these categories at the time, but now I looking back, you know, there I had the weight of a lot over me and just feeling mm-hmm. the condemnation that I I did deserve. And Dave pulled me aside and walked me through the gospel, and that was the first time that I uh, conf- had a confession of faith in Christ. And mm-hmm. what's crazy is I went back to school that next week. I remember telling my friends, you know, I'm done smoking weed. I'm done done with all this and they just laughed at me they laughed mm-hmm. and mocked and they're mm-hmm. like dude you're you're a complete mm-hmm. stoner there's no way you're gonna quit smoking weed wow and great friends yeah one of the things is that they're right you know yeah. a couple weeks later i was sure. back smoking weed and, and part of it part of addiction is the people you hang around with and that's what's hard about public school is your primary influence is most likely at school and so through that next year, I had a cycle of going in and out of partying, uh, and then I'd get sober, and I'd just go back and forth for that next year. Went on a mission trip to Tennessee with the youth group, and kind of had a rededicating my life to Christ moment. Mm-hmm. I was clean for, the, for about a year and a half after that. Then I would start hanging out with my old friends again, and then I relapsed. Got busted for smoking weed by the cops. 
uh, within like two weeks after relapsing, and I felt the weight of the of my sin. Uh, I believe the lies of Satan that I was I was guilty that that the blood of Christ wasn't enough. And now I'm just wondering at this point, were you feeling the weight of living a double life? You know, on one hand, you're at church sometimes confessing Christ yeah. and, re- you know, repenting of your sins, and then you're going home and you're partying on the weekends or with your friends. And Yeah, so this second time around, I definitely felt that, that weight, and I was trying to, the more I'd hang out with my old friends, so I had, I had nights where I would hang out with my girlfriend, live this sober life, and then about 11 o'clock at night, drop her off, Go meet up with my friends. Oh, man. Get high all night and yeah. then do the next thing. I'll, so that was like yeah. my weekends. And so it was that double life. And the further back I got pulled into a, back into addiction, the more I was doing, the more consistent that was. And it was just that slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, I just I destroyed my relationship with the girlfriend. I started destroying relationships with people at church. Um, everybody positive in my life, I was, um, distancing myself with and which is the exact opposite of what should happen. Right. Right. I mean, (laughs) that's what always happens. Yep. And, uh, and so I destroyed all my relationships and as soon as those were destroyed, I remember explicitly praying to God and, and saying, this is the life I'm choosing. I'm like verbally saying I'm turning away from you. Mm-hmm. And the only way back is if you draw me back. And and from that moment on, like life got wild. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I went back. Um, and at this point, my friends started using uh, more drugs because, you know, I, I was sober for a year and a <clears> half, but they continued using and so they've done ecstasy. They've done a few different things. And so when I went back to the lifestyle, um, I started using these these other drugs, started selling weed. Um, through that, through dealing, um, there was manipulating, uh, stealing. I mean... It's like just a big package deal. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it it was crazy. It these things, yeah. Like... I, I use a lot of drugs, I like hallucinogenetics, just about anything um, that came around. But the one that really hooked me was prescription narcotics and uh, morphine and methadone. And this was before heroin w- was really big. But and because of my use of morphine and methadone, I was even destroying relationships within my friend's my friend circle that I used with. And what's crazy is after I went to treatment, they like I met up with them. They were even saying they were about to have an intervention with me. Mm. So these are <laughs> your your drug <laughs> friends are gonna have it, an intervention. Yeah, yeah that's so the, not good. Not yeah. good at all. And uh, it was in the, in this process, uh, one of our missionaries from church, he was really trying to reach out to me, disciple me, help me out, offered me to live with them i mean just mm-hmm. just showing crazy christ-like love wow and how did was, you receive that so the thing is is when i was broken and i felt like i had nothing i knew i could turn to him mm-hmm. 
I knew there wasn't this judgment. I knew there there was a genuine uh, love for me. And so that was appealing. Um, and so he would help me out. But as soon as I, I would get clear-headed, well, what I thought was clear-headed, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, all right, I'm good. I got this. Right. And then I would go back to using. And so he tried to get me into Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge in 2009 at some point and then six months later like my addiction got worse i had a friend's apartment get raided um by the drug task force and so everyone around me that I was hanging out with that sold was starting to get busted and there was only a few of us that weren't and it's not like we were big time dealers or anything but <laughs> was it was it actually like it wasn't like the SWAT team like busting down the door was it or oh was yeah there it? was oh, like was? there was like assault <laughs> like, like you see assault in movies like people like assault rifles oh, waking okay. up to yeah, them yeah that's not good and, oh man wow um, yeah that'd be intimidating <laughs> yeah so Which you're just be. like a punk, I mean if you're a drug dealer you're a you punk should be kid a you know dealing weed and all of a sudden the SWAT team busts yeah. down your door with shotguns that's, that's oh my like, gosh at this point a lot of us were starting to deal with other drugs you know, like sure, yeah. Selling so they mushrooms, thought it was cocaine, yeah, like these different things. And three dealers lived in one apartment complex, and so there was like traffic, like crazy. And so it was pretty wild. And uh, so all this was going on, and I was up at, or I, I made a deal up in at Stacy Subway, and a cop rolled up. Shine a spotlight. I eat at that subway like every day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where I got busted. Maybe the presence of the Lord is just yeah. there. You're drawn to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you get busted. Yep. So got arrested. Went to jail. I was there for a few days. Uh, I remember withdrawing like crazy. I felt like death. Mm. And then got out of jail. And I remember I knew I couldn't go home, right? I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to face my mom yeah. and just that disappointment. And so I went to a buddy's house, and I, would, I called her the next day when she's at work, and she basically you know, gave me the ultimatum, like, either you just got to get sober and clean your act up, or you got to move out if you want to keep living this way, mm -hmm. or a treatment. And I told her, I was like, well... I know I need treatment. And she she had no idea. I mean, our, our family life at that time was just falling apart. And so uh, she didn't realize how far in I, I really was. And so within a month, I, I went into Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge. I knew that if anything was going to bring me all this lifestyle, it was going to be God. Mm -hmm. And that was the only program I knew of that, that was a means to that end. And so I spent a year in Teen Challenge. Wow. So in your story, who paid for it? I was 19 at this point, and I had nothing. And because of being an adult, I fell under the welfare system. So it was like government housing that paid for um, my housing. And then Teen Challenge also. I didn't know about this going into the program. Uh -huh. But Teen Challenge goes around each Sunday 
in a choir and sings for fun. How is yeah, love Teen Challenge yeah. Week? Everyone always looks forward to Teen Challenge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Teen Challenge is going to be I didn't know here. about this. <laughs> you Did you sing know. in the choir? Yeah. I, so, <laughs> yeah. Everyone yes. has to. I wish I would have got to go see you, you sing. You have to, did you say? Yeah. This is not oh, an option. It's not an option. This is like... That makes sense of some of the faces some people had. Yeah, some people yeah. are just standing at their They like, looked forced to be there. Not yeah, happy. I was here. probably withdrawing my first couple weeks like sure. on Sunday mornings. <laughs> You're like sweating <laughs> on stage. Just sweating. Wow, that guy's really Hail. nervous. Look yeah. at him ticking, shaking well, up there. Yeah. He's got the Holy well, Ghost. And that's the thing. I was probably like nervous on top of like, what's going on? Sure. Um, yeah, I remember. So when you first get there, they give you, they have this blessing closet, they call it. And it's where you get a bunch of clothes. And they hand me these black and whites, like oh. a white shirt, black slacks. I'm like, what are these for? What would I ever possibly <laughs> need what? these yeah. for? And you're like, for the choir. <laughs> like, what choir? <laughs> what choir? Oh, that would be some news. Yeah. Like, what so addict would join and be like, you know what? Yeah. I really love choirs. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no addicts are going to. Yeah. They keep that I secret. I can't sing. Oh, and that's so great. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was just crazy. Good. And uh, I spent the next year there. And went through my court process. I was court ordered to, and I, I went on my own decision, but I was court ordered to go to their, um, their ministry school, which is basically their uh, out, like recovery, coming out of treatments, halfway house, okay. slash Bible school. Super charismatic. Yep, very charismatic. Yeah. Just to back up slightly, I think we jumped over this because it was so funny. But so are you saying that your dues were kind of paid through that choir? Yeah. So they took offerings and then a lot of that was funded through your singing. So you've gone around singing for money. Oh. You're a professional (laughs) choir singer. Yeah. We'll auction off his autograph later. All right. (laughs) So, okay. So then you did that program. Sorry, I wanted to jump back to that. Yeah. So uh, the Lord really worked on my heart through that program. And I went to the ministry school. Part of my own decision was I, I, I had no idea what I was going to do. So I, I went to the ministry school and spent a year there. Had a few moments of uh, almost going back to that lifestyle. Okay. Were you a, living on your own at this point? No, we were. I was at the ministry school. Um, because it's halfway else, you have a lot of freedom. On the weekends, I would go home. Okay. And I made dumb decisions, hung out with old friends, and um, had some crazy dreams that were like influencing my yeah. like behavior and just Miranda has those dreams, just yeah. <laughs> just messing me up for a while. And I had a brother in Christ who uh, saw some of my old habits, a uh, brother from church, Jeff mm-hmm. Jensen. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He saw some of my old behavior coming back and talking to old friends. Mm-hmm. He kind of called me out and said, hey, you know, like, what's going on? Like, let's start meeting. So we started meeting once a week and wrestled through a lot. And I read Knowing God from J.A. Packer at the same time. Oh, and the Lord, like, rocked my world. Like, I, so, and the care, like, you guys know the charismatic movement and kind of what they're about. And a lot yep. of deliverance ministry. Mm-hmm. A lot of like you just need to get the gifts and pray in tongues and you'll be delivered from this addiction mm-hmm. and from your sins. And I read like I found Knowing God from J.I. Packer on their bookshelf. I'm like, what is, 
what's this book doing? Uh, <laughs> and, what uh, is J.I. Packer doing at this place? And I, I just, I no. found him. Um, so I read a bunch of sermons from him, and I found J.I. Packer on the bookshelf, and I read this book. And I was going to my director's office being like, why are we not learning about God? Like, wow. I was just like completely <laughs> dumbfounded that yeah, I've never good. heard of any of this. Wow. And I've been in ministry school for a year. And so the Lord used that book to really, I mean, after that point, I've had some struggles, but it, it was just this mind opening. Uh, God has given me a great love for him that, like a legit new creation. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, That's exciting. That is super exciting. Yeah. And it hasn't been easy. Um, no. That, that's a lot of the backstory of me coming to Christ and coming out of addiction. God's done a lot since then. That is exciting uh, to hear. I'm, yeah. I'm thrilled. And it's been awesome having you at our church. I mean, I remember when you first were coming, and I was like, hey, there's that guy, you know. And you were just quiet, you know. You're an introvert sitting in the back row, come jeans, white T-shirt, every single week, never yeah. anything else. And you just kept yourself and... uh I think it was Jeffy because I think he sat by you once in a while or whatever, but I, I always said, actually so wondered, story? I was say, I actually always wondered if you were like, because he worked there, like if he was yeah. like assigned to take somebody with him to yeah. church and it was right. like this buddy system, like we can't <laughs> right. let him out on his own yet. So yeah. you have to go to church with a worker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was some of that like mysterious, like what is going on with this guy? Yeah. And then to see you from that point, which there wasn't any signs there. You were just coming to church and, you know, mm -hmm. but, but then you just kept getting involved and then you married this girl that we already knew. It's like crazy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's yeah, cool. It's, it's been awesome to see. <laughs> we're going to take a short break while we uh, talk to our children about yelling in the background of a podcast. <laughs> Please hold. And we're back. Okay. I told the kids what's up. Uh, I've got a clip I wanted to play. Well, actually, we watched this video. It's a TED Talk, and it was pretty fascinating. I really liked it, and it really caught me off guard at first. But I want to analyze it, talk to you guys a little bit about it, and see what your thoughts are on it, because I have some thoughts as well. So I'm going to start with uh, clip one. This is Johan or Johan, Johan Hari. Might be He's the author of Lost Connections, a uh, book about depression. I first heard about this book and I was really fascinated. And then I found this clip and I think I'm going to read this book anyway, but I'll talk about it. Um, this is his first clip. This is the premise, what we think we know about drug addiction. But let's start with what we think we know, what I thought I know, right? Imagine all of you for 20 days now went off and used heroin three times a day. Some of you look a little bit more enthusiastic than others at this prospect. Um, the, don't worry, it's just a thought experiment. Imagine you did that, right? What, do we, what would happen? Now, we have a story about what would happen that we've been told for a century. We think because there are chemical hooks in heroin, as you took it for a while, your body would become dependent on those hooks, you'd start to physically need them, and at the end of those 20 days, you'd all be heroin addicts, right? That's what I thought. Good. This is really interesting because I don't think he goes so far as to say that there are no hooks in heroin. Yeah, he doesn't. But I think what he's getting after is the essence of addiction. And 
I think this is a really good example that he gives. In Vietnam, 20% of all American troops were using loads of heroin. They were really worried because they thought, my God, we're going to have hundreds of thousands of junkies on the streets of the United States when the war ends. It made total sense. Now, those soldiers who were using loads of heroin were followed home. The archives of general psychiatry did a really detailed study. And what happened to them? It turns out they didn't go to rehab. They didn't go into withdrawal. 95% of them just stopped. Now, if you believe the story about chemical hooks, that makes absolutely no sense. Very interesting, right? It is interesting. I think, too, it's important just for us at this moment to state, like, Matt and I don't have a background in addiction personally. Like, no. Zero. Other than we've been addicted or we've been sinners and things, right. but we're addicted not Addicted to other, yes. <laughs> but as far as substance abuse, drugs or alcohol, yeah. like my one experience growing up with alcohol was we were in Mexico and I ordered a virgin pina colada and the guy brought it with alcohol in it and I was like, I just had something that had alcohol in it. <laughs> like uh, that, that was, was my, fine. that was my history. So, but part of that is because I have a family with the history of alcohol abuse and I saw the damages of it. So I just decided to avoid it. But anyways, so I'm, all yeah. I'm saying is that we don't, we haven't studied this very in depth. We don't no, know. We're just having so a it's, conversation about yeah, it. Yeah. So it's really yeah. interesting to learn about and to hear different perspectives. Yeah. And even he brings up Vietnam and the heroin example. And there's, there's a lot of truth to what he says, but it's, it's just more complicated than that. Yeah. where you have um, a lot of guys from Vietnam that, you know, coming back, like, the society hated those guys. Yeah. And they struggled with depression. They struggled, like, uh, you know, what was the point of us being over there? And so a lot of them continued using heroin. A lot of them became homeless. And so, like, there, there's things about addiction and... Even he brings up um, at the beginning where, uh, what was the first clip you brought up? The okay. everything we think we know? Yeah. yeah. The, just everything we think we know about addiction. And he brings up people drinking, like, like taking heroin for 20 days. And you have, like, yeah, sure, there's these phys- physical aspects of it that you might get hooked to. Right. But most people in a, in a perfect context wouldn't keep using. Yeah. But that's the key is a perfect context. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think it's important to consider. And this is why I, I chose this clip is because this this is a well, I don't want to get ahead of the horse or I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Um, I want to get to the point of this, but this is the world's point of view. Yeah. You know, they don't have the whole right. picture and they keep trying to answer the question of addiction based on their beliefs of evolution and we're material beings and we're all good. Like they seriously, you know, everybody's like, oh no, we're all good. So there must be something else that's causing this addiction. So they're looking for it in these different places. So there has to be chemical hooks, right? That's why those scientists said that. That's why they, you know, make uh, statistics slanted and they do their research papers with bias because if it has to support a non-existence of God, if there's a spiritual element to this at all, it blows up the evolution and all of the stuff that they're trying to teach. Yeah, and that's why um, right now with the heroin epidemic, it's a perfect example with, 
uh, teens that get prescribed, you know, they break arms. So yeah, they get opioids. prescribed, uh, yeah, opiates or opioids. And then within, I think, uh, Laura and I watched a documentary not too long ago where it's like 15 days and your body starts to, to go from, um, from like just desiring it to like really your body needs the physical. Sure. Are you going like, to withdrawals? If you, you going don't to get with, it? Yeah. After like 15 days or something like that. And doctors will prescribe uh, more than enough for uh, prescription <laughs> yeah. narcotics. Doctors will prescribe more than enough to keep you sedated. Don't and, worry. Yeah. And to get you hooked. Because how could the big pharma sell them if the people aren't getting hooked? Yeah. And then you go from, and, and a lot of these are just people that had a car accident. And now I'm yep. taking Oxycontin for my back. And their life gets ruined. Yeah. And then they go... And not everybody has this problem, but, you know, a lot of the stories you hear, they'll, they'll go from that to, well, the doctor cut them off because they shouldn't need them anymore. Well, now I'm buying them on the street. Um, well, now that's really high priced. So now I'm buying heroin because it's, it's like, yeah. especially in Minnesota, it's Minnesota. It's like the purest in the country. And um, it's also being laced with other things that's causing people to have a bigger high. And, and also worse reactions. Yeah, and, people and are overdosing, overdosing left and right on it. Um, but it starts with a simple doctor prescription. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. So we're going to contradict this article or this TED Talk a little bit. But, I mean, he does bring up some really good points and some really good testing. So what I'm I'm trying to think about is... He talks about rat park. You know, he, a scientist took a bunch of rats a long time ago. This is where the chemical hook theory came in. Took a bunch of rats, put water in their cage and heroin in their cage. Um, and then the rats always drank that drug water. They all died. They OD. They loved it. They couldn't, they couldn't drink the regular water. They didn't even want the regular water. So that's where this theory came from. Well, then some years later, or more recently, another scientist said, well, why don't we put the rats together, give them everything, give them, you know, they call it rat park. We give them tubes and tunnels and all this delicious food and bedding and plenty of girl and boy rats to run around together. <laughs> and uh, they can do anything they want all the time. And then they never took the drug water. And if they do, it was once in a while and, they, and none of them overdosed. And so he's saying like, it wasn't about them getting addicted to the water it was the fact that they didn't have something to fill that void that they were craving and so when we're all together like he he uh you know connects it to our community when we have those right. connections in our lives when we have people that we care about we don't go off and overdose we don't you know get addicted in the same way and so that's an interest that's his theory but that's what he's saying yeah i think i find it very interesting I think it's a really interesting thing, and the the problem is you're you're comparing like if you took humans and put them on their like stripped them of their wills and their spirits and put them on this just animal level like that you're dealing with rats that they don't have wills like mm. <laughs> like we have they don't have mm -hmm. the same desires for right and wrong they they chose heroin or I think it was actually cocaine. Um, out of I don't know pure what, animal instinct yeah. and desire, yeah, 
Yeah, there yeah. was nothing else in this cage. Yeah. And so they're choosing that. And if they have like their needs being met over here, they're going to choose these other needs over the the cocaine. Mm-hmm. But we have uh we're able to reason and yeah. to have a will of of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And coming from a Christian worldview, we know that our wills are corrupted by sin. That's good. Yeah. Our wills are corrupted by sin. I'm going to play a couple more clips because I think that I want to wrap up my point about this guy. And Miranda, if you have anything to say, just say it. But What if addiction is an adaptation to your environment? Looking at this, there was another professor called Peter Cohen in the Netherlands who said, maybe we shouldn't even call it addiction. Maybe we should call it bonding. Human beings have a natural and innate need to bond. And when we're happy and healthy, we'll bond and connect with each other. But if you can't do that, because you're traumatized or isolated or beaten down by life, you will bond with something that will give you some sense of relief. Now, that might be gambling, that might be pornography, that might be cocaine, that might be cannabis, but you will bond and connect with something because that's our nature. That's what we want as human beings. Again, I, I just simply see the world here. I think it's like Stephen was pointing out, he's taking humans and making them down to an animalistic level. Yeah. 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 And it's all about that like emotional or physical connection or whatever you felt that you needed. You're just going to get it from somewhere else. I think we talk about this a lot in the Christian world and it looks a little different. It looks like uh, when you have a boyfriend and girlfriend and one of those out of the pair is a Christian and the other one is simply a Christian because the other one's a Christian or they go to church to get the girl or whatever. And we're just saying the exact same thing with this addiction. Like you're just, you're not really actually not being addicted anymore. If that makes sense. Like you're just choosing a different addiction and it's like people or now I'm going to be, it's like a coping mechanism. Now it's just that this, this family provides a coping mechanism for me and I'm not getting my, that same fix or that same happiness that I was going to the drugs for. Now I'm getting it from, my wife well, or my friend. Me, it reminds me of the Jared Subway guy that we just talked about, how he went from overeating and then yeah. he had a sex addiction. And the psychologist was saying, well, he just went from one and then he moved it to the other one. Yeah, Right. And so I'm not saying like bonding in this way is bad, especially not from a, a worldly point of view. Like, obviously, that would be great. You're not doing drugs. You are bonding with your boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah, we. We desire that people don't do drugs and exactly. that they would bond with these other things. Um, but even even to his point is is he says that we were made to bond or we are made for community. And there's a, a lot of like rightness in yes, what he's saying. A lot. Um, the problem is again is 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 sin. It doesn't and, go all the way. Yeah. His yeah, his, it, his his, it's his a surface conclusion level, doesn't go all the way. Yeah. And we were meant to bond with Christ. We were yeah. meant to be satisfied with Christ. You stole my Christ. thunder! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's yeah. okay. Good. Yes, that's exactly right. But, I mean, that, that's... So he, he does make a good point. Yep. But it's just... It's still in the wrong direction. It falls short. Yeah. yeah. Of the it, glory it, of God. This is exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is exactly what I was going to get to. Okay, so, the, so God's designed the world. And he's made a really good and right way for everything to function. 
And anytime we function outside of that good and right way, it's called sin. It's not giving him glory. It's not going to help us to flourish. That's Timothy Keller's. I'm not, not that smart, but anyways. And so this is what he's talking about. It's like he was, you know, trapped in the world of drugs where they have the hooks and, you know, it's purely a disease and, you know, it's physical and you can't escape it without another drug or, you know, something like that. And this guy, noble as it is, is moving that from a physical addiction to now it's an emotional addiction. Relational. Yeah, relational to something else. So he's just transferring it. And 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 uh, where you're coming in, Stephen, is awesome because it is he's like on the right track. You know, he's well, on the track. He's just not bringing it full circle. And I think even Stephen's testimony attests to some of what he's saying. Where once he got those old friends back in his life again, that even it wasn't even the drugs. Sometimes it was right. those old associations, those bonding things mm-hmm. yeah and that's like when i talk with guys coming out of addiction it's usually the number one thing I'll, I'll tell them is um everyone i know that's fallen back in that lifestyle it's because of old relationships whether it's a girl or a boy you know girlfriend boyfriend or mm-hmm. friends yeah um so yeah e- even to uh johan's point on this ted talk is like we should encourage as well like to have these other yes. relationships these bonding with within marriage we should encourage as believers um all these good things but even within the christian realm we could i could idolize my wife mm-hmm. and she's not going to satisfy like if i'm yep. putting her in the place of god yep like for one it's sin for two she's going to let me down because it's as wonderful as she is. Yeah. Yeah. As yep. amazing as she is, yep. she's going to let me down. Yeah. I'm going to let her down. Uh, our pastor is going to let us down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're people. We're going to make mistakes and sin against each other. So even within those bondings, like it's just broken. It, it has yeah. to be like the rat yeah. park. That's yeah. a that's paradise for the rats. Yeah. We have to be in heaven for, <laughs> yeah, for, for us, us to, to like, get that. To, to like. For us yeah, to not even desire right. that. So maybe his analogy is actually ahead of the game. They're displaying <laughs> yeah, heaven yeah. <laughs> They're displaying where we won't have any addiction. Heaven, right. Nobody right. will choose <laughs> drugs. Yeah, even if the choice was there, we would yeah. be so <clears throat> captivated by the glory of God that we won't even desire it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is now bringing this full circle is, like I said, he is on the track. He's pointed in the right direction. We need those connections because God made that. He made us to bond with people. He made us to connect with people. And like you said, ultimately to connect with Christ. And this guy can't take that next step, you know, because all he's working in a, is in a humanistic, humanistic frame. But what's fascinating is we're going to, we have this other article, Freedom Can Only Be Found in at the Cross by Steve Gallagher, which by the way, Miranda, do you recognize the name Steve Gallagher? I do. What, Look why at, do we know Pull Steve it up Gallagher. there on the computer about us. Yep. You see his face? I do. You recognize him? I I'm 90% sure he spoke at our Bible college. He looks yeah, super and familiar. And came and did a whole thing on purity. Yeah. See? And his wife I think took the girls or we, he took the guys or something like that. Something Fine. about 
to know about Matt is anytime you go anywhere with him, he's convinced he knows someone. Yeah. I know that guy. I know that guy. You do I, not I know that I guy. I think I fall in that same category. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just have this like, no. Because you know what? For my jobs, I've gone into, I go into like pretty you much like a, a thousand a houses a yeah. year about with different people. And so I always have this, like, have I seen you before? Like, were you a client or did I pick you up in the ambulance or, you know, something like that? <laughs> so back to this point. Okay. So what we're saying here is this guy has a humanistic point of view, which is, which is actually on the right track. We need those connections. An addicted person is going to fail. Will you agree with this, Steve? Is going to fail if they do not have connections. Yeah. Good connections I, I on the outside. With, yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, just on the like, surface level. Yeah, on the surface level, like even like I was saying, like the number one thing that brings people back is yeah. bad connections. Right. I mean, technically. Yeah. And so their article, "Freedom Can Only Be Found at the Cross." The main point of this is saying, okay, actually, the main point of this is saying that freedom can only be found at the cross. But <laughs> I want to read you a quote in here. He says, Hence the title. he asks an interviewer this question. If a man goes through our program and never returns to the sinful practices he was addicted to and yet remains prideful, critical, resentful, lustful, and in other words, he's still full of himself, would you place him in the victory column? I think that's, that's really good. Like just because you got free from cocaine, or just because yeah. you got free from alcohol and you go and you beat your wife or you go and you are, you know, full of pride or you yell at your employees, you didn't win. <laughs> like, yeah. right. you, it's you about the gospel. You have just a more gospel. acceptable sin. Exactly. You've just traded it for something else. Yeah. And so that's what I, that's where I feel like this guy in here is missing. And that's why the world will never truly be free because they're just going to trade their addiction or something else right yeah i agree with that and i mean and like we were talking about earlier we should encourage to go to other things yes but yeah um i mean let's face it addiction is is problematic and there's a term out there called dry drunk where someone gets uh they quit drinking and they're called a dry drunk because they're just miserable and so they're angry and how they deal with people, their wives, these, these, like, how they deal with stuff is in an angry way. And um, so it's like you're getting the same guy. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, if, if you quit drinking, but you're still snapping on your wife and mm-hmm. yelling at your kids and still right. don't want to be a part of your family and lead your family yeah. as a man, then... Uh, that's a problem and you're not really free from addiction. Yeah. Well, something too, I was just at uh, learning some stuff about counseling this weekend and they were talking about how the world, you just want that behavior to stop. You want the alcoholism to stop. It's all about replacing that behavior, you know, becoming that new man. And so like his example was, you know, how do you know somebody's not a liar anymore? It's not that they stopped lying. It's they begin telling the truth, you know, like that person, they might've stopped drinking alcohol, but they haven't begun to really be free and, right. you know, display yeah. the fruits of the spirit or, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I like what this article says. So he says, tell me if you, you would agree with this. Um, 
this is a quote from the article. He says, every single man who acts upon, and this could be women, by the way, you know, or. But probably not. But (laughs) 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 every single man who acts upon the biblical practices we lay out for him and who comes to the Lord with a sincere desire for freedom is set utterly free from habitual sin. Now, let me unpack that a bit. Because he's he basically says the Bible promises this, and yeah. if you follow God's principles, if you you love the gospel and you see Jesus as beautiful, and you lead your family, you're you're obeying God's principles. Um, does that make sense? I that's what he says in the article, and I think it's the process of sanctification. You know, obviously there's going to be dips and roller coasters, yeah. and yeah, it, it's just more complicated than even what he says i think and it still might come out in like what's habitual sin to me might look different than what it is for you you know what i mean yeah. like the, the beauty of what the gospel does is it allows freedom to fail and to fall but it allows freedom uh we'll just use again if the husband's quit his addiction and is still yelling at his wife it gives freedom for him to admit his wrongs because he's not under condemnation. Um, because he, it, it, which there's power in that. It gives him power to admit his wrongs, admit that he failed his wife, admit that he failed uh, if he slipped up in drinking. And it, and it gives power to the wife to forgive him for his sins. And to, so yeah. it's a lot more complicated than I think just this article states. Sure. Because. Well, this is a whole ministry, messy. and yeah. I, I think I, you know the well, hard thing is people are trying to answer questions in in one little article that yeah. it can't yeah, reveal everything. But I think it is his statement is true in that Agreed. if you act upon biblical practices, but we don't, we're right. sinful, and so right. we fail. So yes, if we are Jesus, physically, literally Jesus, you know, there's no yeah. addiction, there's none of these issues. But because yeah, the we're not, we become it's that road of sanctification. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that's his point. Yeah, it is. I think that's his yeah. point. That's why he's so he it's not that he's being arrogant. Like he probably he says, you know, it kind of feels weird that I'm saying this, but yeah. This is the truth. If you, you know, the closer you become like Christ, which would be the more you are following the biblical principles, then because the more free you're going to be. That's just Otherwise the fact. there's no hope, and that is the hope of the gospel. Is that freedom and that growth and that sanctification. Yeah, yeah. and the reality is is um, if you follow his principles, you're going to, and you're really convicted for your sin, you're going to find ways, um, like people to hold you accountable. You're going to, um, like if it's pornography, you're going to like have search engines to block content and right. you're going to take steps for, for people. And that's the importance of the church is mm-hmm. to live life together and, uh, help encourage and strengthen each other to walk uh, a more holy life. That is the purpose of the church. I just want to read one quote from this article because I think it is really good. And I think he just kind of, he articulates some stuff really well and quickly. Um, And then I want to move on to another question I have. So this is from Steve Gallagher. The cross represents both the Holy Spirit's initial work of regeneration. So the first part is getting saved, right? Through the cross, we believe and trust in Jesus. 
and also his ongoing work of conforming us into the image of Christ. This is where we the sanctification pick, piece. Yes, this is sanctification. This is where we pick up our own cross and we follow Christ. Do you want to sing the song? Take up Someone? your cross. And then he goes on. This process of sanctification involves ongoing repentance, surrender, submission, obedience, and self-denial. To the degree a believer cooperates with the Lord's leading in these various disciplines, he will become increasingly free from the tyrant of self and increasingly full of the Holy Spirit. I like that he calls self a tyrant. (laughs) Yeah, we are tyrants. Wrecking our own lives. Okay, so this, you know, that's not a perfect uh, definition or analysis of addiction. But But I think it does speak to the power of biblical principles to overcome things. Yes, that's good. But let's talk about our friends and our family members and people that we know. (laughs) That sounds like gossip. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Six eighteen oh five one. Um, let's <laughs> let's gossip. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about what we can do as the church um, to help our friends, family, and loved ones, people that are going through addictions. I'll just give you one example of something I'm doing right now, and this is not me being a counselor to this person, but it's just something that I'm doing. As a brother in Christ, I'm getting up three times a week to meet with a couple guys at five in the morning because we couldn't find any other time to meet. Hmm. We're all dads. We're all, you know, parents and we all have jobs. Like, when do we meet? Okay, people, that is when you do something extreme. If you have an extreme problem, it can only be met with an extreme solution. So get up in the morning. And I was doing it, you know, largely out of selfish reasons at the beginning to force myself to, you know, self-denial. We were using the first Corinthians verse about how Paul says he beats his body, you know, so that he endures to the end so that he will win the prize, you know? Yeah. Um, So this is something I'm doing and I, I, it really connected with it because of that Ted talk, you know, lost connections, finding people, to connect with and uh, I think that it's been helping the person that I'm meeting with a lot and he's expressed that but what are some other ways especially even if it involves treatment what what can we do yeah so I as addiction goes it's complicated and but the thing is is almost it seems like I know a ton of people that know somebody that's in addiction or struggling to come out of addiction or, or yeah. has a past addiction and they still fall and stumble. Um, I seem to come across it quite a bit. And, and part of it's because of my story. People are are open to talk about it Yeah, and tell me um, whether it's them struggling or they know some, they have a family member struggling. Uh, I think the, one of the biggest things is to be consistent in reaching out. I had a so for example, um, there was like the crew in high school. Sure, you know there's four or five of us um, that every day it was us hanging out using yeah. 
just causing problems. Mm-hmm. And I still, you know, when I was in Teen Challenge, they would say, you know, your old friends, they didn't actually like you. Well, that's not always the case. Like we, <laughs> we were it's like, not always the case. You know, like, and many times you be you befriend others mm-hmm. because of your addiction with them. You right. share that. Um, but we we went through it together. We went through life since you know we were little kids. And so when I got out of Teen Challenge, I would shoot them messages every so often. Let them know I'm thinking of them. Um, if they wanted to meet up, let them know that uh, I can help them out if they need to meet with them, whatever it is, and just reaching my hand out. And so being consistent in that, and uh, praise the Lord that I have one buddy that I used to hang out with who just recently graduated from Teen Challenge. Really? Yeah, he was a part of that crew. and That's awesome. And uh, But the rest of them don't answer my call. So. Sure. And that's the thing is the gospel is foolishness to the world. And, and to those who think it's foolish, they're going to push away in distance. Yeah. And the ones that, like my buddy told me, he, he's like, like, well, Stephen did it. Then something must have worked, you know, sure. so let's try this thing out. And praise the Lord that I, I'm confident he's a brother in Christ now. And mm-hmm. so being consistent, addicts are going to let you down, frustrate you, and cause a lot of issues. But sure. being consistent and loving them, like Christ loves the church. Um, yeah. He died for his bride when we were, you know. Enemies. We did, yeah. We were enemies. Yeah. We were haters of God. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. died for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're called to go out and bring the gospel to the world. So. Uh, to be consistent and loving those those around us that are in addiction. Yeah, I like that. And I have a clip from the clip that we played at the very beginning before the intro. Um, the officer that helped this lady, this is what he said. They've got to be willing to commit to getting clean. You know, I'll take them as many times as I can. You know, just because you're going to the same person's house for the maybe the eighth time in two weeks, you never know when it might be the time that they actually wake up and say, hey, I need to go get treatment. I like that. It's just what you're saying. Like, you don't know which text message, which phone call, which visit is going to be the visit where that person says, I'm ready. We have to be consistent. We have to fight for their soul and fight for their salvation and fight for their friendship because they don't have that fight. So you need that person to be coming in consistently saying, hey, I'm here for you. I love you. Let's pray. Can I pray for you today? Uh, you know, do you want to get help today? I'll bring you in. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, and if they're a brother in Christ who's struggling with going back to that, um, you know, Galatians 6, 1 and 2, you know, restore a brother in a spirit of gentleness. Mm-hmm. You who are spiritual, restore a brother in spirit of gentleness. Like, we, we need each other. Yeah, and the world they don't need us, but they need the gospel. Yeah, yeah, they so. do. And we got to be the ones to bring it. I like this one shirt I just saw recently. Uh, you know, you've heard the phrase, um, "What is it? 
preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Shamedly, I've such used a, that before. I have too. I've used that. I've said <laughs> that. Confession. But I like this shirt, and it says, preach the gospel at all times, always use words. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. they don't hear the gospel. They don't know the gospel They'll without words. Saved. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. Anybody have any last thoughts or anything they want to say about addiction before we move on? All right. That leads us to our quote of the day. Love is not only something you feel, it is something you do. That was by David Wilkerson, the founder of Teen Challenge, which is now adult and teen challenge. Yeah. And I have a really hard time saying that. I just it doesn't noticed, flow as no, well? No, it does not flow. Adult and teen challenge. It's just, it was teen challenge and it, yeah. It caused a lot of confusion just saying teen challenge. Yeah. Because then you think it's a bunch of teens. Yeah. And I was the youngest guy there. <laughs> you were the youngest guy. I like that quote. He says... Love is not something you feel, it's something that you do, okay? There's so many people right now even listening to this podcast who are under the impression by hearing this podcast or feeling love towards somebody who's addicted, you're doing something and you're not, okay? If you love that person, you will do something. You will reach out to them. You will pray for them. If you do not then you are not loving them. Don't be mistaken. Just hearing this did not make you help your addicted friend, <laughs> right? Right. You have to take that next step and actually reach out to them. And I think that it can be, you know, when people push you away or they kind of trample on you, you think, okay, well, I'll just leave them be. That's what they want, yeah. you know, and then, but I just think uh, our pastor's, I don't know if it's his original definition, but of love being seeking that which is best for that person. And so you're not going to leave them there. If you're seeking what's best for them, that life they're pursuing is not what's best. And you have to lovingly pursue the hard things for them. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Well, it's like you don't always feel like, Matt, you probably don't always feel like getting up. At five in the morning. Yeah. No, I have to uh, be there at five in yeah, the morning. Be there five. I get up so at four have, in the morning. Yeah. He is not a morning person. No. Yeah, like not. not even close. No. It's an act and, of love. <laughs> yeah. And I don't always feel like meeting with certain guys. And um if I went by my feelings all the time, yeah. I wouldn't by that quote, I wouldn't love at all. Right. Like I mean, Christ didn't just feel for us and he does have pity on us, and that's what <laughs> drove him. Yeah, uh, to, to the cross, to, the to cross, action. But yeah, it's carried out by action. Mm-hmm. And you do you go to the prisons um, many Sunday mornings? Go there, meet with men, and I'm gonna put a. Do you mind if I put like your email address or something in the show notes? Yeah, you so can. people can contact you if they wanna ask more or else sure go to the prison or something don't worry nobody will (laughs) nobody listens no i'm just kidding six extra emails to go through yeah you'll have like one person in three years i listened to this one episode okay anyway we're gonna do a commercial break thanks for sticking with us here's a word from our sponsor td jake's realty 
Listen, friend, as I hasten to a close, if you will just reach in and receive it, God's got it all stirred up for a reason. Hey! And if you just reach in and receive it, the blessing is yours. The business is yours. The property the property I said the property is yours the property is yours what they say on the title deed God said the property is already yours and all you gotta do is reach in and receive it what you say he said the kingdom with violence and the violence take it by somebody just snatch something right now snatch it 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 If you guys need a property or a piece of land, sounds like he was advocating like breaking and entering or robbery or something. TD Jakes (laughs) has the formula for getting that stuff for free. Just snatch it. Just snatch it. (laughs) It's already yours. It's already yours. You just got to claim it. Yep. He goes on to talk more about money and finances after that. So if you need to know about finances, I think that's where Dave Ramsey got all his advice. Yeah. TD Jakes. So now we're going to do something unprecedented on the show. We, In the last three episodes, now, this has not happened before. <laughs> yeah. It is now time for... Abbreviation Explanation, the new game show. <laughs> Where we ask millennials... <laughs> oh, man. If they can tell the difference between a texting abbreviation or an EMT medical abbreviation. (laughs) Okay, so here we go. You all have your microphone. You all have your little thing, your buzzer. When you think you know the answer, ding your pencil onto the glass. And whoever does it first, I will call on you. You know, I feel like you just labeled us like. Yeah, I know. You're about to be foolish. You're a millennial. Like yeah. you might yeah. literally fall in that category, but come on, that yeah, word is like, not used. Nicely. I don't know. We're like Any on the very, EMT? very old. We're on the very old spectrum of the millennials, which some people still call us that. Anyway, it's all right. It doesn't matter. Okay. I'm going to give you a, an abbreviation, and you have to decide if it's. You just got a ding answer, and whoever gets the most points. There, there's your scorecard. Yeah, write your score. And you just tell me if it's a EMT abbreviation or a texting abbreviation. And then you have to say the abbreviation, what it stands for. Oh. Okay. Oh, I wish I had one of those announcer voices, you know, like uh, with like Bob Hopad and other people. They have that like side guy that stands at the podium. 
you've won a new car stuff like that the prize is um i'll have one of my kids make you a card or something <laughs> <laughs> all right stakes are high <laughs> number one you cannot look over here because you can see we haven't introduced laura yet yes okay so it's about time we introduce our third guest which is laura steven's wife yeah that'd be my wife of uh, three years three and a half years yeah three welcome lovely years hello thanks for having me you're welcome <laughs> it's glad i'm glad to have you <laughs> on the show <laughs> all right first question contestants are you ready no. ready <laughs> start with an easy one lol are we supposed to oh, oh. laugh out loud steven that's text it's yeah. also living on Lipitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I would know that. <laughs> what was it? It was a text? Okay, yep. yes, you got it right. He's got one right. Okay. Wait, I had written down a scorecard here. There we go. Miranda, there you go. This is clearly very organized. All right. <laughs> Number two. DNR. Oop. Do not resuscitate. Whoa, good job. Are you a medical student? You would think. Oh, <laughs> yep, that was good. Okay. OIC. I would ding, but I don't know what it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> it stands for OIC in text. Oh. <laughs> See, you guys are not good texters. Okay, ready? BRB. Oh, be right back. Yep. We know who the texter is. Actually, yeah. no, the last one was a medical one. <laughs> BVM. Big valve mask. Oh, I remember that one. From all those nights of playing memory. With all right. Ready? <laughs> yeah, we played lots with we lots made our of flashcards. Yep. WEG. This one's hard. I knew you would not get it. It's texting, okay? W-E-G. Wicked evil grin. <laughs> There's an emoji for that. Yeah. yeah. F-U-D. Fear, uncertainty, and disinformation. Texting. That's Somebody, texting? Yeah. I was like, what? I, I don't know. I was surprised about that one. Maybe I need to start doing a little easier ones. You guys are having a hard time with the texting ones. I-L-Y. No. I don't know. Just be brave. Get one wrong, I, people. Uh, I love you. Yeah, just right. In, I love you. <laughs> texting. Yeah, I know it. Okay, here's one. Ready? Y O. Wow. You don't know Nothing. any of these. No, this no. is not going over well. Years <laughs> old in in EMTing. You oh. should you should be buzzing in and just saying if it's an ENT or a or a texting one because <laughs> how we get a bonus point if we know what it stands yes. for yeah, yeah okay that. ready abc's emt yep airway breaths and cardiac close i mean that's exactly circulation what yep airway breathing and circulation yes good job okay we'll do a couple uh one more or two more MCI. Oh, 
I know this one. Multiple casualty incidents. Yes. Yes. And the final one for all the points in the entire game because nobody was even keeping score. Were you keeping score? I was keeping score. Oh, you gave me the job. scorecard. Okay, then it's only worth two points. Okay, it's a tiebreaker between me and Laura unless it's... Steven pulls in to no, a three-way tie. Not likely. <laughs> not, not likely. <laughs> he's not. He doesn't even. He's not even holding his pencil. He is. <laughs> he all right, for the final one, ready? T Y V M. <laughs> Aromatic. Nope. That's not even. Oh. Thank you very much. And Miranda, who is the winner of the game? Well, we have Steven coming in third place, okay. receiving the bronze. And then it was a tie between Laura and I with two whole points each. Yeah, you're both winners. Yay. That was very anticlimactic. I was really hoping you were going to do the YOLO. Oh, yeah, Come but on. it wasn't on my sheet. Oh, man. I figured that was too easy. YOLO. We obviously <laughs> needed easier ones. <laughs> we obviously needed easier ones. That's... A good point. Yes. Okay. So we want to shift the show a little bit. And we're going to talk now about... So we have music and movies section usually, but we're going to use the entire last half of the show to talk about music and movies. And it's going to be mainly focused on Christian hip-hop. Introducing you folks out in homeland about hip-hop. Because... Mr. Grafsky over here is way into Christian hip hop. Because he's a thug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thug, thug life. life. <laughs> and yeah, so I have a great introduction to Christian hip hop. Are you ready? It's going to be awesome because I'm going to see if you guys are even old enough to know this. Who knows? Do you guys know who this is? I'll keep going. Let me know when you guys know who it is. Were they even born? I don't know. No. No. Oh, you weren't even born. Probably. It predated me. Not my birth, but I didn't know either. I know the next CD. Cassette. That is from 1989, DC Talk. Oh, year before I was born. Wow. See, I was like rapping to this song on stage for years. I, this is one of the most performed songs of my entire growing up. Yeah. Watch the Lamb. I was going to say, what about Watch the Lamb? Ray Bolts' Watch the Lamb I did like every Sunday. But this was also one that we did every single week. Me and my brother did human videos, danced. We had like, you know, tight rolled pants, black vests. <laughs> sparkly. You know. Hey, we put Sometimes on our the black, vests were sparkly. But we put on our black for your, vests for your hip hop. For this. For your thug life. Yeah. And then because if you look at their album, they're actually wearing the same black vests. 
which is how you know that you we were, were cool. so cool. Right. <laughs> because that's how you know these things. That's how you know. When you look back and if all the cool guys were doing what you're doing, then you were good. <laughs> <laughs> that's my gauge for everything. So you gave me a Timothy Brindle song, a couple of them. How does that, how does, how did you come about that? Actually, when I first got saved in ninth grade, one of the older guys at church, which is funny because he hate, hates hip hop. Okay. And he heard Timothy Brindle um, and fell in love with Timothy Brindle because oh, of the, the lyrical theology that is in it. Sure. And it's rich in theology and this the songs from this album, um, The Great Awakening, is about Brindle's Great Awakening when God okay. uh, saved him. And because it came, like, I listened to this album and his next album, Killing Sin, um, when I first got saved. So they just have, like, a... Yeah, a deep yeah. meaning for you and a personal connection. Yeah. That's awesome because, and, and there is a movement, not necessarily really recent, but like in the last several years of hip hop, because they can fit so many words in a, yeah. in a verse, you know, they literally can just like quote theology and just like, you know, put all this stuff together. Whereas in like a rock song, you know, you have four lines per verse and that's yep. about it, you know? So it it's a lot more poetic and abstract where these guys are just stuffing this stuff full of really yeah. good deep theology yeah and if you look at the roots of of hip-hop it was it's a message oriented like mm-hmm. genre right i mean a lot of the music came out of like kind of the protests um like nwa and just a lot of the music they wrote was the protests uh police brutality and um also they were promoting uh, their gangster lifestyle which sure. is an issue, but it the the music itself is message oriented, and that's yeah. what I love about Christian hip hop. It's it's com- it's direct, like you know what they're saying. Yeah, like a rock song, like you're talking about, it's a lot more poetic, abstract. Yeah. Like you you almost feel like you're close to the song. Like if you really know what it means, <laughs> you actually can you tell. Know, you know what, what I mean? this guy meant to say. You're really in the know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, I was thinking about how we've been talking about Christian media over the last couple episodes and how I believe but it does allow a false convert to live in their sin, be okay with their sin, because it's all about you suffering. You're going through this really hard time and God's going to be there to pull you out. And That's you're going, yeah, you're going through this terrible thing and now God is here. He's your victory. A Christian hip hop, it doesn't work that way. It's like, this is God. And it's all of the things that are involved in the Christian battle and the Christian life. And that's why it's pretty cool. Yeah. And a lot of these guys come from a rough lifestyle where they're they're just able to write in a way that, like you talk about that wartime mentality, like they they lived a wartime mentality before they got saved. (laughs) And so, in their view of the gospel, and it's it's serious. Like yeah. this is a and serious it's thing. It's yeah, it's it's massive, and um, and so I have 
one of the biggest reasons I love Christian hip hop is I've found encouragement, strength from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I'm actually, it's kind of funny, but now I'm starting to be a little convinced that when I was in the charismatic school, that Timothy Brindle has kept me more towards the reform. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, he's thinking kept you grounded in, and it's just funny that you would that hip hop has kept me to, in in a sense, the yeah. Lord has used hip hop to keep yeah. me thinking well about the Bible. So hip hop to me is one of the. It's just a great means of grace. Um, yeah, what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with liberation or my new life? Um, you just do liberation. All right, this is liberation by Timothy Brindle. Uh, we'll figure out where we are. We'll just play some clips of it. I was born in sin's penitentiary, enslaved to evil, and this condemned and sentenced me. Locked in a cell block, I'd act wickedly in captivity while watching myself rot. Born with a death sentence, warned to neglect repentance by my Lord who expressed vengeance by deceiving my mind and keeping me blind and convincing me that evil was fine. His name is Lucifer, he was my slave master. He said to oppose God and scream with great laughter. He ruled this prison of sin, my vision was dim. He told me what to do and I'd listen to him. I was depraved and arrogant. A cursed transgressor. From my first ancestors. Trapped in my sinful habitation. I was into masturbation and it kindled aggravation. But I loved the darkness of my cell. Plus my lungs were heartless. And they're real. <laughs> they talk about <laughs> real life. You wouldn't hear that on the radio. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I like it. Uh, 150 I had marked on here. He's such a white name. Timothy Brown. Yeah. <laughs> you don't picture like rapper. He is a white dude. Like, yeah. It's like super looks white. white. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah. I looked at him. He's, he almost looks like Tim Challies. <laughs> Doesn't he? I think so. I savor this pleasure. You're the greatest of treasures. Jesus Christ, I can't wait to praise you forever. But then Lucifer tried to keep me from leaving. But Jesus crushed his head and defeated his demons. Yo, we bounced from the prison. He announced I'm forgiven. I was dead in that place. Now I'm out in the living. And I shout, He is risen. For hours abroad, I've been freed by the gospel, which is the power of God. Then he said he must. Re- uh, new life, Timothy Brindle. I just want to give some people a little taste of this, yeah. you know. I was struck in the face by lightning and fire. It was the loving grace of Christ the Messiah. He said, trust me, Tim, repent, you're lost in sin. Otherwise, be sucked up in a gust of wind. But God of evil, I've been a greedy traitor. An awful diesel, weaker than a feeble raver. I can't reach you, I really need a savior. Just believe in Jesus, he's the mediator. You mean it's that simple? I'm obviously not worthy. Relax, Brindle, it's gotta just be God's mercy. I was a hopeless troll, but the Lord's amazing. Must have been a chosen soul before. Creation, so I, myself. I, I think it's interesting because they like he's going back and forth question and answer don't um, they don't like to leave room for like you said where a rock band would really actually intentionally leaves room for you to try to figure out what they mean yeah you know they do poems and all this abstract stuff and i remember i wrote songs like that all the time you know i wrote uh, songs that were a hundred percent a metaphor that people, they never had any idea. And a lot right. of times, even my bandmates didn't have an idea of what I was saying. So I, th- these guys, they're not like, they're not, they're not like no. that. And they have three to four minutes of just straight lyrics. It's like this guy, he doesn't even barely put a chorus in there. He just like raps the whole time. Yeah, it's <laughs> I like crazy. It. 
I'm going to go to, or this is at the first chorus that he has. Can find me see. I have a new life. This is my new life. I was in true strife before my new Christ. This is my new life. I have a new life. Praise God for my new life. I'm just a baby Christian. This miracle's new. I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about. You're singing things like, I have a new life. I have a new life. Right. I'm born again. Um, that's encouraging you to live out your new life and reminding you yeah. the life you have in Christ in the gospel. You know, you have this other song on here. Yeah, the Who is Water is a Church. Person and why did you, yeah. Tony Ruda. Yeah. What prompted you to give me so, this song? This song came out a week or two before we had missions week at our church. And as I was preparing for like just a short little five minute message at the end of one of the evenings during missions week, this this song it's it's about missions like what missionaries go through um the fact that missionaries are willing to lay their lives down for christ and yet we're scared to to share the gospel with our neighbor because it it might be awkward and the uh, youtube video is really powerful because it shows a lot of imagery um things that have gone on in the news and the media with ISIS and sure. missionaries and Christians being martyred. And we'll so, have a link to this video, So all these videos on our website. Yeah, th- this, this song is just, every time it comes on in the truck at work, I probably have it on repeat mm-hmm. until I get to the next job. And it's one of the few songs that I listen to like that. Um, it's hard hitting. I I. I yeah. listen to all these songs. And that's what I love about hip-hop. Like, no other music, um, in my mind, does mm-hmm. stuff like this. Talks yeah. about such a big and serious message mm-hmm. and is able to use it and put it in rhymes in ways that will encourage and challenge us. Yeah, and the radio would certainly never play it. I was just going to say, so we don't, we're not hearing these songs on your typical radio that you can just plug into your car station so where are you finding this music how are you getting your exposure (laughs) so uh i because i love christian hip-hop i'm a part of like a facebook group that's all about christian hip-hop and so i get kind of ins and outs Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a few artists that are on there so i get some of the ins and outs of new music coming out i'm always checking i think of websites rapzilla.com where i'll check and see like you know what new albums are coming out yeah and so i'm always looking for it well okay. i noticed too in rap and hip-hop is it okay to say rap is that a thing it, or is yeah. it just hip-hop okay <laughs> it's like is that they you know they get this label you know like lamp mode or you know humble beast or whatever yeah yeah and then it's just, just like all of them like collaborating on each other's albums and they're all touring together and it's like a big yeah. family you know I love that. You you don't do that so much, you know, even in the rock band and in, in the Christian world, you know, you you might tour with a fellow label mate, but it's yeah. uh, it's a you know, it's not a relationship like right. it is with these guys. Yeah. It's like they're really like brothers, you know. I wanna play this song, it's good. Communist officer told a Christian he was beating. I'm stronger than you claim your God to be. I can kill you. The Christian replied, The power's all on my side. I can love you while you torture me to death. 
I may never know what it takes to look death in the face and say I'm not afraid to die. But there's children every day who say they're not afraid and praise God as they say goodbye. Their parents blow them a kiss and they say we'll see you soon as they shed many tears of joy. They watch their daughter or son get slaughtered as their blood gets shed, then their parents rejoice. This type of activity to me is a mystery. How can one not cherish their life? Well, Christ set the example and died for you and I so that we could share his demise. You see, people like this are more concerned with the world. They don't care if they're in pain for days. Their compassion for the lost outweighs the pain because they know of his amazing grace. God, we should die, we should die together. Raise us. I'm going to go to this other line that I found very powerful, I should say. I don't know another better way to say it. But convicting, you know. I remember Africa, a Congolese refugee, talked about her home and how over there there's never peace. Her mom gets raped, her dad gets beat. He feels like less of a man, can't get past his screams. These freedom fighters would destroy his wife. They would take everything but their joy in Christ. He says God is still good. They still don't know what they're doing. Our souls untouched, although our bodies are ruined. Oh my. I just love that line. Our souls untouched, though our bodies are ruined. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, it's easy. It's easy for us here in America in our warm house outside the snow, you know, to like listen to this and think, oh man, you know, these people. But to me, even just the fact that they say Congolese, those people have faces to me because we have friends who are from the Congo. When we were in Tanzania, Mm -hmm. they would have, they would come to our house because we had devices where we could check the internet and they would check in on how the rebels were doing because they were in the city that their parents were still in. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like they, that's real really thing. Like They're real people. Checking, yeah, how the status of their families. If Are the you government guys has overthrown them, still yes. Still in your house? Have you, you know, fled your house? And that was just their, that was their email check. Yeah. Like yeah. when did we ever check our email and be like, hmm, I wonder if my grandma had to the flee her have, house today. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's just insane. a sign that really gives you, kind of keeps me in the right perspective every time i listen to it kind of brings right. like yep. where are my priorities at absolutely and though i might not you know if the lord calls me to africa so be it you know like you know that's that'll be awesome but uh right now like even even listen to that song how am i um like guys that i know they're struggling with addiction mm-hmm. sacrificing my time um my neighbors uh, my in-laws, my wife, this, this walk is serious. And so Christian hip-hop um, helps give that perspective. Um, it just helps me with that. And in the chorus, he says, raise a glass of wine. Like, this is a celebration. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. to, to lay our lives down for Christ is a, should be a joy. It's not in our yeah. American evangelical culture, but right. it should be a joy. And so music like this has helped me to keep that perspective. I want to bring us over to a couple other artists uh, that you may or may not have heard of. 
Esso is coming to our church actually in March, May, June, June. I get it wrong every time. In June, Esso is coming to our church. So we're in Minnesota. Come check it out. It's going to be great. I'm sure I'll have details up on my website sometime when we have more details about it. Um, but here's some of his songs. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do a bunch of them, but I was gonna do this one. He's got one called "Passion and Purity," and it's about staying pure when you're dating, and yeah. you know it. So it's good. And the song was written. So he read Elizabeth Elliot's book "Passion and Purity." And then wrote this song, kind of dedicating, like, some of these guys have songs um, dedicated to, like, Elizabeth Elliot and the impact that she's had in her writings and just their missions work, which is really cool. Wow. Here's, Here's a clip of it. It's starting in the middle. Messing this rose getting bumpy, feeling jumpy. I wonder, did she love me? It's costly, it must be. Till I wonder to the mushy. She's laying there on my bed. Guilt is raining hair on my head. Mama raised me better than this. I'm sorry for the things that I said. I got cold feelings, holes deepin'. Went from us to no speaking, cold streaking, souls weakin'. Showing lust has no meaning. Suppose we can control decent passions that are post evening with no weeping, no cheating. The lies we tell the ghost meeting the truth instead of facts we act as though we well never tell them folks we fail walk along that stony trail. stony trail i did it the phony falsehood if only males knew that there was no hope in showboats or lower stale no. I mean, what message is your children getting from the secular music? The exact opposite. I just want your body. <laughs> you know, that's what they're singing. It's really weird when you see kids, like even just taking our kids to gymnastics and love music playing in the background. Yeah. And I'd be like, whoa, this is really awkward that they're playing this. And then the little girls in my daughter's class are singing it. And I'm yeah, just exactly. it's shocking I, to me. You don't even realize what they expose their kids to. Yeah. Like yeah. in that age, you don't know what you're singing. No. But music is powerful. Mm-hmm. I love that. you. I mean, if you're a guy, you're listening to this music, you're singing, I just want to see passion and purity, maturity, God's glory. I mean, that's yeah. what you're singing. That's awesome. Uh, so now this is, I'm going to do one more and then I'm going to end on Shylin. But this is beautiful eulogy. Again, when we talk about singing about worship or the victory mm-hmm. or who God is, well, it's exactly what you said with Teen Challenge. You know, they have a great ministry, right? I mean, yeah, you're yeah. still involved in that, and we have several, a couple of people at our church work there or whatever. It's great. But why aren't we teaching about God? Right. <laughs> why are we seeking certain other things? And And that's what we're missing in Christian music, is we're just singing about that victory or this vague notion of him coming 
and helping us. But they, this kind of music is putting the real theology, the real beliefs in God, he is worthy, he is holy, into their lyrics. So this is beautiful eulogy, worthy. Given righteousness and eternal life when salvation is given. All my sins paid for and I could never repay you. But now my greatest delight is to trust you and obey you. More than a genre of music, worship is a heart change. I gladly bow my knee to the God who never changes. Every day I'm changing, becoming more like Christ. Adoring what is good adorned with the fruits of new life. And my hope is not a fantasy. It's built upon a reality that you will keep your promises according to your sovereignty. I will see your face and be safe under your reign. When my faith turns to sight and only perfect love remains. Your people are my people, no matter where they come from. The church exists according to the works of God's son. So in the new creation, when we're gathered in his name, it will be obvious that he's the one who's worthy of all fame. Because the worthiness of Jesus is the reason we belong. So worthy is the lamb will forever be our song. I love, love those it. guys. We saw them in concert. How long? I don't know how long ago that was. Oh, you guys went yeah. with her? Yeah, they yeah. were there. It was like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was But great. I mean, they shared the gospel. It wasn't yeah. just about their show. It wasn't about just their music. Like, he s- preached. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, they used, they definitely used their opportunity to share the gospel. And it, unfortunately, I've been to a few Christian hip-hop concerts that are more well-known that by the end of the show, like, yeah, there's gospel in their music, but it's not, it's explicit in one sense, but you have a perfect opportunity to share the gospel in concert. Oh, yeah. I love that Beautiful Eulogy takes that chance. Yep. And Well, we've it. gone to shows where, even on the Christian radio, so imagine they're on the Christian radio, they're very popular, and they're, so they already have to be vague enough to not share the gospel, right? Because yeah. you could never really go onto the radio and share the gospel because that's actually offensive. So these people are already on the radio, but we love their song, hoping that when you get to the concert, it it tips it over the edge. They have freedom, like you said, to share the gospel. And what do they do? Just a rock show. And they take half of those songs that were kind of gospel centered and they like turn it into a medley. So yeah. they take out even more gospel presentation. And it was just, it was utterly disappointing. It was saddening. Yeah, it was. I still have a hard time listening. Yeah, and now Ever it's hard to concert. even listen to their song because we know who they are. We know what they really believe. And the more you see people's lives, the more, well, in the, in the Christian music world, it's, you know, the more disappointed you become. Let's put it that way. One last song, unless you guys have something else to share with me. Actually, you know what? Before I do that, I want to play a clip. <laughs> this is, oh boy. Okay, so we know Oprah is shady, and we should, you know, New Age just believes in a bunch of mush, you know, all this stuff. We know Rob Bell is shady. 
Put them together. That sounds painful. <laughs> yeah, because Rob Bell actually has or had a show on the Oprah Network. And so you know, if you are making it onto Oprah's network, you are not preaching the gospel. There's nothing in your life that could share the gospel because they would find that and kick you off so fast. So anyway, so we now have this presentation, J.I. Packer. We have these gospel hip-hop you know, songs telling us who God is. He's worthy. He's majestic. He's holy. He's worthy of our praise. We're sinners. And he's saved us. This is Rob Bell answering a couple questions, simple questions about God. You ready for this? No. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. What is the soul? It's the thing that keeps telling you there's more. There's more. Eh. There's more. This isn't just a meal. Eh. Where's this my just buzzer? This isn't just an embrace. This isn't just an interview. There's more. Yeah. There's more. Your definition of God? Like a song you hear in another room and you think, boy, that sounds beautiful, but I only can hear a little bit. So you start opening doors and rearranging furniture because you have to get in that room to hear that song. When you get in, you find the knobs and you turn them all to the right because you're like, I got to hear more of that. And then you open the windows because you want the people in the next houses to hear it. Did he hear the question? I, I don't think so. Listen, this is, this is a religion, Bill. This is a secular religion. You have like, to believe. Like, seriously, that's not even an answer. Like, did he think of that ahead of time? Is that how he always answers the question, what is I, God? I, yeah, right? I looked up other videos of him. He, he gives the absolute worst answers you could ever imagine. It's, it's the most open answer. Anybody can take that to mean anything. He, he's a song you hear in another room. Well, you don't believe in hell. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. He doesn't believe in hell. He doesn't so, believe in yeah. anything. Goes. But, so that's the vagueness that we're talking about. You know, that's the world's like, mush that they can accept because there's no offense in that. What's God? Oh, he's just a song in the other room. And I kind of want to tell you about that song because it sounds good. So this is Shylin. This is the atonement Q&A. I mean... This is a Christian hip-hop song, okay? This is just so good. It was, it's a pleasure to have you here on my album, The Atonement, man. It's my pleasure to be here, man. And I'm going to be able to kind of chop it up about certain terms that we throw out a lot but never really defined. So why don't I throw out some terms and you can give us the definition? All right, let's do it. All right, let's start it off with who is God? God is the universe's creator and sustainer, plus the only savior, there is no one greater. He's triune, holy, omnipotent, omniscient, absolute, loving, sovereign, and righteous are a few of his attributes. How do we know this? Well, we know this. Did you hear the answer he just yeah. gave to who is God? If you didn't, let me play it again. Let's start it off with who is God? God is the universe's creator and sustainer, plus the only savior, there is no one greater. He's triune, holy, omnipotent, omniscient, absolute, loving, sovereign, and righteous are a few of his attributes. How do we know this? Well, we know this from the Bible, where God has revealed himself, anything else is just an idol. What's the Bible about? Man's complete ruin and sin and what God has done in Christ to bring us to him again. What is... You can't say that to Oprah. No. <laughs> you can't say that on Oprah, you get kicked off. Yeah. <laughs> 
like what is sin? That's not even a thing. There is no sin because we're all good. This is I'll okay. I'll do one more. What is sin, and then I'll then we can wrap it up. Sin. sin is the breaking of God's law plus our condition, which means from birth we all got flaws. What's the result? The result is by nature we're God's enemies and must pay the penalty unless God provides the remedy. What's the remedy? The remedy is the cross of Christ, where yeah. he suffered all the strikes for the lawless type. I've been rescued by the lamb, I'm convinced that he's risen, and blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Just fall back. Amen. I love it. That's good. Yeah, what, what other music fits... That much theology within. <laughs> right? You've less, got like hymns. Like a minute. You've got oh, not less than a minute. It doesn't be that right? challenge. Yeah, less, less, than than a minute. Minute. less than a minute. <laughs> and still got four minutes to go. So, uh, um, I mean, and to be able to do that and make it all rhyme to me, it's just beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> that's mean, some talent, just, you know. Talent, like yeah. to be able to do that, it's talent yeah. and it's truth. Like, and it rhymes. Yeah. Um, Wayne Grudem with. With with the artsy side, yeah. <laughs> As an art, um, and and just one last uh, thing on Christian hip hop f- for me that. So this has been, you know, in the news and the media, and there's been a lot of like racial stuff going on. Christian hip hop, especially a guy named Kurt Kennedy, has been like his music has worked in my heart in such a way. Mm-hmm of seeing the need for racial reconciliation. His music makes me feel awkward at times and challenges me to reflect on um, race and different things. And so it's not just theology. It's, it's I don't know what it's exactly called, but it's, you know, our relationships with each other that uh, some of these Christian rappers are uh, writing about. That yeah other music doesn't touch and so these artists are doing things that that we we need to hear they're they're saying yeah. things that need to be said and challenging us in ways that we need to be challenged thank you thank you for being on the show it's been a blessing uh just wrapping up people live in no the pun real intended <laughs> wrapping yeah. up Oh, oh man, that was good. That was good. You got me. Um, People live in the real world. Okay, stop living in your bubble, your Pinterest, Facebook bubble. Open up your eyes. There's people all around you that are hurting, addicted. They need other people in their life. They need you. They need you to call them, text them, email them, go visit them and help them to get past a point that they can't do on their own, okay? Share the gospel. Preach the gospel and at all times use words. Um, thank you, Stephen and Laura, for being on the show. Yeah, we appreciated it. Thanks for it. having us. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks for playing my silly game that I forced you to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, maybe we'll have you on some other time. We'll talk about more songs and... Uh, Get some more testimonies. Maybe we'll get Laura to talk more. Yep. Yeah. We'll get her to. <laughs> awesome. So until next time, ascribe God his glory and declare his marvelous works.